Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Matthews knocks that pass away. That comes off to Matthews. Works in, gets a move, holds, and hit the one side of the net. Now Marner sends it back home with a chance. He scores! Justin Hall, the overtime winner, and Toronto takes it 3-2. Austin Matthews makes a great defensive play on the three-on-one and sets up the OT winner. A beautiful game-winning play made by Austin Matthews uh, and the Leafs able to make sure they come out with the full two points, which they needed to have. That was the game winner. Gord Miller on the call there. Um, welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of this program. Um, you may also know me as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave a rating and review as well. All right, so the Leafs with a 3-2 overtime victory over their arch nemesis. The Battle of Ontario has been extremely difficult for the Leafs this season and able to sneak out a victory in overtime is big. And to join me to talk about that today is, of course, Mr. Tony Ferrari. Tony, what's going on, buddy? How uh, how you feeling over there after this win? Oh, it was uh, it was a weird one because it was one of those games that as soon as you see Anton Forsberg in net, you're like, ooh, that's a <laughs> that's a classic Leafs game where they're gonna lose it. But they they pulled it off in overtime, and uh, Austin Matthews with that great play at the end of the game, and Justin Hall getting the goal and shooting his arms right up in the air. So uh, I'm pretty happy after that one. What is it with random goalies just like taking it to the Leafs? I don't understand oh. it. Like it's legitimately, those things. they all just wake up and they say, I'm going to beat the Leafs today. And they just play super, super well. Like they get up for these games. And it just seems like we're always like if they would have lost tonight, the excuse would have been, as it's been for the last couple of, of weeks here, well, they ran into a hot goalie. They played well, but ran into a hot goalie. Right. Like, why is it always the Leafs who get the hot goalie? Always. It's such a weird, weird situation because it's almost like they're playing down to their competition because. You don't know why they're not scoring. They're an extremely highly skilled team, so you'd, you'd think they'd outperform their metrics, but they're it's, they're getting all the all their underlying stats are good. Their expected goals are good, but expected goals don't win you games. And thankfully tonight they could get some real ones and get the get the get the win. But oh man, it, it's it's always nerve wracking whenever those random goalies decide to show up in the, a different team's pad and a, a third team's stick. And oh my goodness, yeah, tonight was a weird one. Um, and even like the goals that we saw aside from probably the the game winner, they were all weird goals. Like they all went off of sticks or went off of the body or weird turnovers, uh, cough, cough, Jack Campbell. Um, But like it was just a a weird game overall. Um, What were your your overall thoughts on tonight? Yeah, it it was a weird one. It was one of those games where you're like, you know what, if you're going to win the game after being off for four four or five days, like this is kind of going to be how it goes. Yeah. Uh, McKay is going to have to get one off his shoulder. Even the even the one in overtime, right? Like Matthews is alone on a on a th- defending a 3 on 1, turns it around and generates a goal for Justin Hall who jumps on the ice. It it was 
a weird game, but a game you're happy to come away with the win with for sure. Can we also talk about how different the tone of this podcast would be if Matthews whiffed on that stealing attempt and the Sens go down the other way on a three on O and score and win? Like, we're all saying, Matthews, you're amazing. You're amazing. What if he whiffs on that and doesn't get his leg on it to create the scoring chance and instead it could have went the other way? Uh, it, it would have been terrible because, like you said, it would have been a three on zero completely because he was standing still in the yeah. neutral zone at that point. And I, I, I mean, I like to pretend and think, well, you know what, Austin Matthews meant to do that. He's just a superior athlete to all of us, and we couldn't have done that, but he could, and, and that's what I'm choosing to believe tonight. I would have said the same thing, but then do you remember that random pure wet thing that he decided to do when he stuck his skate out there for whatever? Yeah. So you know he's made some weird decisions with his body, and and I don't know. Sometimes he thinks that uh, he's like a, a a soccer goalie or something, just trying to stop pucks. I don't know, but uh, luckily he did get a piece of that one, and uh, boy, that was just a a great play overall. The the overtime was extremely exciting. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed and was kind of like on the edge of my seat for the entire OT. It seems like uh, the Leafs never want to bring it to a shootout. I, I'm trying to think, have they gone to a shootout yet this year? It just see. I feel like they just keep finishing it off in overtime. Yeah, I think they went to one, one? if I'm not mistaken. But it, I might not. Even, I might even be mistaken there because yeah, I don't remember too many shoots, shootouts this year because it's been run and gun overtime hockey where uh, Morgan Riley gets to take over his true role as being a third forward and just kind of go. <laughs> exactly. Um, so one of the big storylines going into tonight's game though was going to be. You know, the play of Jack Campbell, the fact that there's been a lot of discussion about a goalie controversy brewing here in Toronto. Um, I guess the the coaching staff kind of, I, I mean, it's not lucky that Anderson is hurt, but they didn't force them to make a decision to have to pick a goaltender. So Campbell anointed the starter for the time being. Um, how would you grade his game tonight, though? Because, like, he actually, like, was pretty good besides those two gaffes, but those two gaffes cost them the only two goals that he allowed all night. Yeah. It's like one of those, one of those tests you take and and you do a really good job and you do everything good, but you forget there's something on the back of the page and you don't answer that. And and that's kind of what today's game was. It was a a B plus, but incomplete at the same time. It, and I, I think you feel bad for him almost a little bit because after the game, he was beating himself up a little bit. And this is something that I kind of, it's it's a welcome sight because we, with Anderson it's very it's generally very standoffish in the post games especially after a loss where Jack Campbell completely took it on himself he's like I, I feel and this is a quote Christian Shelton posted on Twitter he's like I, I felt bad about those two goals I don't want to kill the momentum and we played so well to that point and I know those types of goals just can't go in and that kind of perspective is nice to see after the game like him going you know what yeah that, those are on me like I take responsibility the team played well I mean did so, you expect anything he's the nicest guy in the world of course he's gonna yeah. take it on the chin and blame it on him <laughs> yeah he really is and I even tweeted that after the first goal I'm like look at this like Jack Campbell being the nicest guy just giving Ottawa a goal to open the game politely <laughs> like it, it, it's, it's a weird situation but yeah like overall I think he played really well outside of those two kind of goofy gaffes where I, I don't think you see those two goals happen again, hopefully, because I think hopefully he kind of realizes, hey, maybe I shouldn't be out of net and wandering around. And maybe that's just a comfort thing when he gets the crease and kind of gets an extended run here, hopefully. And I, I mean, I, I'd keep running with him like he played well, for, let Freddie heal up. I don't, I don't think you want to rush Freddie back at all, because in reality, I think if you're going to make a long run, you need good Freddie to make that long run. And 
hopefully Freddie can heal up. And the injury was the only thing holding him back. And from being that Freddie we saw two years ago. A couple other guys getting on the score sheet tonight. Jason Spezza scoring for his third straight game. This guy really, um, like, has just been insanely productive. Top 10 in the league when it comes to points per 60. And, like, just the production from this guy has been unreal at 37, 38 years old. Uh, this newly formed fourth line of Spezza, Thornton, and Kerfoot, the past couple of games, I, I've liked what I've seen out of it. Like, I wasn't sure what a Spezza-Thornton line could look like. There was a lot of speculation when they first signed, like, can they coexist on a line together? I mean, it seems like there's some chemistry here between these guys, and they actually look pretty good out there the past couple of games. Yeah, honestly, I thought I was going to hate that line a lot. And I don't think I love them, but they work. It's not a line that I'm too worried about in general. It's your fourth um, line you I, shove out there for 10 minutes. like Yeah, exactly, right? Like it, It's it's one of those things where if you can get Jason Spets out there for 10 minutes and he's producing and you have a guy like Joe Thornton passing him the puck, I mean, we've we've seen the last few games. like Jason Spets' shot still a, a really good shot. And, and you look at his kind of numbers tonight, he, he – controlled shot share over 63% and Joe Thornton was just up uh just up over 55 like they played well like it wasn't a bad setup for those two guys and I, I think Kerfoot has the necessary kind of like buzzy speed that kind of makes up for especially Joe Thornton being a little little yeah. not so fleet of foot yeah yeah no that's that's certainly I think like for whatever reason Kerfoot kind of makes makes it work right like if it wasn't Kerfoot and it was somebody else you know, now you're looking at that line, and, and it's just too slow, too old. But Kerfoot, yeah. for whatever reason, kind of makes that line tick. And even he had a couple of opportunities tonight. He had that one tip um, that, you know, Forsberg made a really nice save on. Um, you know, had a, a couple of opportunities as well. So uh, the other one, though, the other goal scorer for Toronto was Ilya Mikheyev. And imagine if Mikheyev had, like, any sense of, like, goal scoring ability. Like, <laughs> The the guy gets three or four breakaways a game or is on, like, two or three two-on-ones a game, and the puck always ends up just, like, fumbling off his stick or he can't get the shot off or whatever ends up happening. But every time, he can never end up scoring. The only way that this guy gets goals is by garbage goals that go off his ass, his shoulder, his skate. Like, how unlucky is Ilya Mikheyev? Uh, he's he, I, there's a running joke in my house. Like my, my two kids both know it. They're four and eight. They both laugh at it. My wife knows it. And it's I, every time Ilya McKay gets a puck, I'm like, okay, go skate into the goalie Ilya. Cause that's what he does. He just skates <laughs> at the goalie every single time. And hopefully he goes in. And I, I actually, I was up in, in the bathroom when uh, he scored his goal. And all I hear from the living room is Tony, he did it. Tony, he did it. And I'm like, who did what? She's like, Ilya McKay skated at the net. I'm like, Oh, of course again. She goes, no, this time he scored. I'm like, what? Like, it, <laughs> It's it's just the most Ilya Mikheyev goal ever. Skate skate at the net. Hopefully it goes off your body and in. And I mean, I'm not going to complain about a goal. No, and I mean they do tell you like go to the net, kids. Go to the net. Good things will happen, and it does happen. But like, imagine how many more goals Mikheyev could have if he had any type of scoring touch and could finish on any of these other opportunities that he gets. Like that that that's what I mean by that. Like this dude, I think he's got five or six goals on the year now, and they've all come off of deflections. Like they've all just hit him off his body and gone in. Yet he's had numerous numerous I think he has like 60 or 70 shots on the year and most of them I think have been on two on ones or on breakaways and he just can't bury any of those I just I find it comical and humorous it's crazy like it's one of those things where you're like man if 
this guy has everything that you want in a hockey player except skill to play hockey. And, and it, he's clearly gotten his, himself to the NHL. He's a really valuable piece. But yeah. man, like like you said, if, if he had any any finishing ability, there'd be a, a real difference maker there. Um, lastly, I, I got a question for you, and it's more of a fundamental thing. Uh, as somebody who scouts a lot of hockey, watches a lot of hockey, um, played the sport, you know, What's going on with this Leafs power play right now? They have not scored a goal in six games. Is there a fundamental problem with the way that they're going right now? Or do you think they've just been kind of unlucky here for a good stretch? I think it's a little bit of both. I think when when they start the year so hot, like there's going to be regression. And and we've seen regression hit quite hard <laughs> lately, oh, yeah. especially. And it's one of those things where I think at, they're at the point now where you, you see it a couple times tonight, whether it's it's William Nylander or whoever, they're just holding onto the puck a little too long or they're, they're making that extra pass. Like I think Nylander and, and Matthews both had a, a chance where they had a, a perfect shot to just, even if they caught it and shot it and, and not necessarily a one-timer, they had the open net, but both of them held on, stopped and, and tried to make that one extra pass. And I, I think that's kind of what came to bite them in the butt, especially tonight, but in a few of the recent games overall. Uh, all right. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, let's get to our three stars of the game. But before we do, let's hear for our show sponsors, Bet Online and Built Bar. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. And Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is cookies and cream versus coconut. Almond, I am a sucker for everything cookies and cream, so I, that's who I'm going to be voting for. It's delicious. It's fantastic. It's getting my vote here at the Built Bar Madness. But who are you going to vote for? Go to BuiltBar.com or do at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano. Alongside me, we got Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects as we are going through this Lease postgame show. Toronto with a 3-2 overtime win over the Ottawa Senators. Justin Hall with the winner. And I'm going to start off the three stars of the game here because that is exactly who I have as my third star, Justin Hall, uh, you know, the game winner. And he's somebody who I would say over the last few weeks we've kind of you know, fairly, I would say, you know, talked about how poorly he's been playing and he's taken a, a step and he's regressed a little bit from the way that he was playing earlier. But tonight I felt that he actually played a really solid game, really sound game, and ended up earning the the trust from Keith to actually put him out there in overtime in three-on-three. Three. 
and ends up rewarding uh, uh, the the Leafs and ends up getting rewarded for a strong play all game with a game winner. So you get the the Leafs that second point all by yourself by scoring that goal. You end up on the three stars for me. So Justin Hall is my third star. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with Justin Hall as a third star. So he's probably the guy I'd have there too. But I I kind of want to give a little bit of credit, even though he may not be a third star, but to Jack Campbell because he really did play a really good game outside of those two kind of gaffes. Um, I saw someone on Twitter today. They were someone was like, "Oh, if Anderson let that goal in, we would have been like roasting him and putting him to the stake." And, and someone commented, and they're like, "Yeah, but that probably would have been the four nothing goal." And, and I think that's just kind of where we're at right now with Frederick Anderson is we need to allow him to get healthy. We need to allow him to get his confidence back so that we can get our confidence back in him. And right now, Jack Campbell's going to be the guy in net, and he, he's done a really good job for us this year so far. So hopefully, he can continue that on as long as Freddie needs. Well, yeah, because I, I think like if you look at that, when Freddie makes mistakes like that and those type of backbreaking goals, it kind of gets in his head a little bit. And and like you said, it, it ends up being four or five goal night when he's having that kind of night and when he's off. Whereas Jack Campbell, like he's the, he's pretty calm, cool, cool. He makes a mistake and it's like okay, it's gone, it's done. Although he did make another mistake the later in the game, the exact same you know miscue by handling the puck, but. Still, he made that mistake, and then it was done. He was back to it, made a couple nice saves afterwards, got right back into the rhythm, and even, you know, in overtime had to make a a couple of key saves. So, you know, when it comes to these two's mentality between Jack Campbell and Fred Anderson, it just seems like Campbell has a stronger mindset um, when he makes mistakes than Anderson does. And it just seems like Anderson is either really, really on that night or he's really, really off, and that's... That's the the weirdly like concerning thing that I have with his goaltending this season and really the past like few years. Yeah, I think I agree with you there because it's been crazy and consistent because I, I've said it on the show before. When Freddie is good, he's super calm. He's concise. He's controlled in his movements. But when he's off, you can tell right away because he's all over the net. He doesn't really have control of his limbs and he's just kind of out there playing hockey and you need him to play goalie, not hockey. So it's a bit of a weird situation, but hopefully he can get healthy and hopefully we can get that. Like I said, get that Freddie Anderson back that we had a couple years ago, because that's the one that's going to be able to lead us on a deep run. Yeah. Uh, my second, st- no, you go with your second star of the game first, actually go ahead. All right. My second star, I got to give it to vintage. Got to give it to Jason Spets <laughs> scoring another goal, just coming up clutch being, I, I always refer to Jason Spets as the dad of the team and in Joe Thornton's the crazy uncle that everyone loves going to hang out with. But man, seeing those two old guys on on that fourth line just putting up positive numbers and drive and play positively it's a really valuable thing because not many teams can can kind of say oh our fourth line is jason spezza and joe thornton and, and have that luxury of not only that leadership but still they're really good players in the nhl could you imagine 10 years ago saying that it's so fun like, just so fun just imagine just imagine um yeah, I also actually had Jason Spezza as my as my number two guy. Like again, a guy goes out, he only plays. He actually played a thirteen minutes, which is three minutes more than his usual on ice average that he plays a game. I think he's averaging about ten minutes uh, this year. But you know, goes out there, scores a goal, plays really good. Like you said, his possession metrics were were astounding tonight. Got a few shots on goal and was the only. One outside of uh, Joe Thornton, but like that fourth line was the only one who actually was winning the faceoff battles tonight. For whatever reason, the Leafs were getting their teeth kicked in in the faceoff circle, and I don't know why. 
but because uh, that's usually a real a real strong suit for Toronto. But Jason Spezza uh, winning seven of his eleven draws for uh, team high sixty four percent, or actually technically Thornton went three three for three himself as well. But um, but no, like Jason Spezza, uh, I thought had himself a, a good game for the amount that he played, um, and and I mean. What more can you ask of a guy who's just going to play, you know, 10, 13 minutes, I suppose, he played today? Like, he's been such a great find and just found money this year, making 700000 at that. Yeah, I don't think you can complain about Spets at all. He's Like you said, he's been outstanding. That entire fourth line, the the old guys on the team, as everyone likes to call them, like, it's been really fun to see because they've been playing some really good hockey for the Leafs this year. Um. First star of the game, Anton Forsberg. Oh, I think that's fair. I, I, we got to give it to him because, man, the guy came in uh, wearing Winnipeg Jets pads, using an Edmonton <laughs> Oilers stick. Like it was, it was a crazy sight to see. You because know what? This you know guy would have loved. So he has his mask. He's got like the Jets symbol on the mask and number thirty-one. I wish there was an an Ottawa goaltender who had number thirty-one or thirty-one was retired. Or whatever, and he couldn't even be number thirty-one. It would have been just a complete mismatch. Like he's got a rock number thirty-five on a sweater, yet he's got thirty-one on his on his chin with the Jets logo and then the Jets pads and an Oilers stick. It would have just been the greatest of all time if he at least wouldn't have been able to get his number as well. Oh man, like the the guy came in, he had a hell of a game. Like the the way yeah. he was able to just kind of stay calm in net, not let the moment like be too big for him and he made a few nice plays when we talked about jack campbell kind of misplaying the puck outside of his crease where anton forsberg had a really a couple of really nice plays to stop the puck behind his net make a play with this with the puck outside the crease and stuff so i kudos to him he had a, a really really good game and and i mean we, we look at all the, the high danger chances the Corsi four all, all the numbers kind of lean toronto 60 40 at least so it's one of those crazy games where he really had a stand on his head and he did it and kept the, the senators in that game and, and honestly stole them a point. A hundred percent. Like the Leafs, the Leafs were the vastly superior team tonight. They should have won that game in regulation. Anton Forsberg's the only reason why. And quietly, Ottawa's got points in six straight games, which is surprising to me though, because they've had what four different goaltenders in those games. Like he's the fifth goalie that they've, uh, ice so far this season. Um, they were coming on a back-to-back, so he had a tired team in front of him against a rested Toronto team who was really just itching to get at it and, and kind of came out playing pretty well and, and played a consistent 60-minute game, I thought. Uh, 41 shots against, made 38 of those saves. 21 high-danger chances against him tonight um, in all situations. Uh, 3.8 expected goals. He only allowed three Um, You know, for a guy who legitimately hadn't played a National Hockey League game in over a calendar year and only one game in general, which was, I think, last Friday, he played an AHL game in Belleville against the the Marlies. And that was the only action he's seen since like over 365 days ago. Like that, that's incredible to come out there and have the night that he did. Like, I don't know what it is about these Ottawa goaltenders when they just randomly have to come out and just, you know, beat down on Toronto. We saw it last week with, um, oh, shoot, why am I forgetting his name? Joey Decord. Joey Decord. And then here we see Anton Forsberg having himself a night here. It's, it's, it's just very unlucky for Toronto when they run into all these hot goalies. At least tonight they yeah. got the full two points, though. 
Yeah, like you said, it, it, they've been really unlucky lately. And in, in, I keep looking at the standings and seeing everything tighten up. But with the way the Leafs are playing, and despite the fact that their goaltending has been an issue recently, uh, it's going to turn around. I think the Leafs are still going to be safely in first place, but it, it's going to be a battle. Like Edmonton's hot. Winnipeg's a really good team. Like Toronto had a hard time with them. And and then you have those teams that are feisty at the bottom, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto or Ottawa, sorry, like it, it's going to be a battle the rest of the way. And I, yeah. I think it's going to be fun because we're going to get to see the, the Oilers come in here and, and hopefully Toronto can kind of hold them at bay because, you know, they're going to be a little upset after how, how the last series with the Oilers went. I hoping so as well. <laughs> um, so the Leafs won tonight 3-2 to two in overtime. Justin Hall with the OT winner. Toronto going to 21-10-2 on the year. Now in sole possession of first place again in the North Division um, with the Jets on their heels, though, two points back. Uh, we'll take one more quick break, and when we come back, uh, it seems like we're going to get that seven-day quarantine Uh, exception from the Canadian government. So we'll get your thoughts on that when we return here in the Lockdown Lease podcast. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this daily Lease Podcast. Remember to subscribe for that daily content. Being joined with me is Tony Ferrari of Dauber Prospects. And, Tony, there was a report today from CBC, um, CBC News, reporting that the government is getting ready to announce a seven-day quarantine exception for the NHLers coming from the U.S. at the trade deadline are you are you surprised that uh that they were they were doing this or were you expecting this to happen there was a lot of chatter about it but the fact that it actually is coming to light are you surprised by this or were you expecting it i was if you asked me a week ago i would have said i was expecting it but i I heard the chatter and things were kind of getting talked about and then there was a lot of oh it's getting close they're not going to be able to do it they're not going to do it here this that and the other thing and then yeah like you said the report came out today I think you look at this and you go, okay, like this is something that they're going to do. Like they're going to be testing for all these players coming over and everything like that and continuously testing them repeatedly each day. So that's a good thing. And money talks, I think that's kind of the the root of the situation. But it, I look at this and I'm like, man, if, if I'm Winnipeg, we applied for Pierre-Luc Dubois to be able to kind of get a seven-day quarantine and they didn't let him do it. So if I'm Winnipeg, I'm maybe a little bit salty about it, but in honesty, I, I think this was something every team in Canada is probably going to be happy about, whether it's uh, trading it to a different team in, in Canada or trading a player or acquiring a player from from the States. It's going to be it's going to be nice because, yeah, 14 days of quarantine, that's in a condensed season. That could be six, seven games even. So it, especially as these schedules get tightened up in the backside of this, the schedule, it, I, I'm happy to see it. 
Um, it, it's one of those things. I think there are some people upset that Canada was making the exception and stuff, but again, as we talked about earlier this year with some other stuff, it's kind of one of those situations where money talks and, and the NHL can afford to do all this extra testing and all this stuff. So you, you kind of just got to take it if you're looking at it that way. But for, from an NHL perspective, I think it's great. Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh, there was, you know, when it comes to the, the trade deadline kind of as a whole, I think there was Eh, it's just some pause about it being a good deadline just because, you know, a lot of there was a thought that if Canadians can't get these players on their teams for two weeks, they may not even bother making the deal. Like they're not going to want to give up the capital that they're going to have to to make that trade because they're not going to have that help for the, the final stretch to even make a playoff push. So, you know, I, I think that this probably, in my opinion, maybe expect now a bit of a busier deadline in the Canadian teams be more inclined to make moves and, and be a little more active. Um, it certainly also kind of lessens the urgency to make a deal early. Like right? we were talking about this uh, on the podcast last week and a little bit um, over the last couple of days, um, just how I felt the Maple Leafs should have made a deal early just because, you know, they had that, uh, you know, eight days off in between a, a 10 game stretch and there would have been a good time to try and bring in a player so that you didn't miss too many games. But now you don't really have that worry that much. Even if they do do it on deadline day, it took a, a look at the schedule. So they actually do play like they play on deadline day. And then I think they also play like the following week as well. So they will miss most likely five. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Uh, they missed five games due to quarantine, um, due to the seven day quarantine, based uh, compared to the eight games that they would have missed during the 14 game quarantine. So you get a few extra games out of your player, but uh, I think those few extra games are, are going to be important for these teams who are going to be jockeying for playoff positioning down the stretch, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the situations where I, I think this lessens the likelihood that there's going to be player-for-player player deals. I think it's going to be a lot of picks and stuff because I, I don't think two teams are going to be wanting to wait the se- even the seven days. And, and, ho- and I mean, if there's different rules in the States and every every state in the States has a different set of rules for, for people coming in and whatnot. So that, it might not matter on that side of things. But for, for teams like Ottawa and stuff, I, I don't think they're going to really necessarily want to bring back another guy just to have him wait seven days and stuff. It's probably easier just to bring up the kids and do stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this affects things, because like you said, it, it mitigates the fact of, like you said, we we're talking two weeks ago about, Hey, the Leafs have this big stretch where they don't, they only have two games. This would be the perfect time for a trade. And that trade never came. So no. now, it, like you said, if it does happen on deadline day, five games still sucks. Like you, you don't want to have to miss your, your new addition for five games, but it's better than the eight games or it's better than the nine games. Other teams probably would have been having to deal with. So I, I think it's a positive overall for, for any team, especially the buyers. I agree. And um, I think it was uh, either LeBron or Sarah Volley that said that, you know, the Leafs were actually spearheading this, trying to get this exception. And they were kind of the ones that were super gung ho about it. Um, does this like I, I, would you think that this changes things for the Leafs? Like now, would you expect for them to wait a little bit longer to make a move, or do you still think they should probably do something a little bit earlier? I still think Dubas is going to try to want to make something happen. Like I wouldn't be shocked if we saw something in the next couple of days. Um, 
kind of get through the Edmonton series without the player and, and maybe even through, through a couple more games. But I think he's still going to want to get this, whatever player he plans on acquiring in, in as early as possible. If he can get them here by deadline day or, or a couple days after deadline day, instead of missing those five games right after, I, I think he'd rather do that because the, instead of getting 10 games, you're getting 13 or 14 or, or instead of getting 15 games, you're getting 17. It, it's going to be a, a weird situation because like you said, it, it's tight schedules down the backstretch. And I would personally try to get a deal done as soon as possible. If I'm the Leafs, is there a player that you think fits the Leafs, a deal that maybe you're putting on your wish list at all here? I I have a weird fetish of, of having a uh, Matthias Ekholm come to the Leafs. He's been a player I've loved really? forever. I, I I've loved the guy. I, I don't know how much I'd want to give up for him. He is in the latter stage of his career. He's still really good. In I look at it like the in the situation of you get him for an extra year, it, it kind of maybe solves who you're protecting in the expansion draft. You you go four forwards, four D, and, and you protect you go eight players and you protect your top four defensemen and Riley, Brody, Muzzin, and, and Matthias Ekholm, and and then you protect the big four forwards. Hopefully Zach Hyman, you can get a handshake deal and say, hey, uh, we'll we'll talk to you as soon as free agency opens. Please don't sign, even if they decide to take in the expansion draft. Um, and then you. So Hyman gets artificial protection almost. And then I don't really see any other forwards on this team that you're really worried about protecting or so um, he's a guy I really like, but if they're going to go with a forward, I don't think they're going to make the big splash. I don't know if they go Taylor Hall or even like a, a Philip Forsberg. Michael Granlin seems like a really good piece. I think he could be a, a nice addition, but honestly, I, I I've seen the way Galchenyuk's been playing and I like the way Galchenyuk's kind of played on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. Um, I think he kind of makes you go, okay, well, we don't need to fill that need or, or, or we don't need to overpay at least at, at, for that spot. So it, it's going to be an interesting deadline because I don't know where they're going to add because anywhere they add almost seems like a little bit of surplus, but at the same time, you, you want the depth there as well. So it's going to be an interesting deadline for the Leafs. Yeah, that's my only thing. Like, I, I agree with you. I've liked the way that Galchenyuk has looked there on that second line next to Nylander and Tavares. I think he, he looks like a guy who knows he's kind of on his last legs here in the NHL, and he's going to need to to make sure he keeps that motor running. The problem is, like, you know, is this just a, a bump that in his game that he's seen because he's he's new to the team, he's new, trying to impress the coaching staff, and he's just trying to make sure that he, he stays and sticks in on that spot and in the lineup. But like at some point, is this going to be consistent, right? Like we could easily say that after three games, he's looked pretty good, but what are we going to be saying after game seven and after game seven or eight, you know, maybe at that point, if he starts to fizzle out and the the trade deadline comes and goes and you roll with Galchenyuk as your guy, now you're a little dicey. So for me, I I still want to see an improvement and an upgrade on Galchenyuk um, just because I don't know if I, I trust him to be consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that, especially with that line having so many inconsistency issues this year. Exactly. Especially John Tavares. You don't need to add to the problem of inconsistencies when it comes to Nylander and Tavares. No, you do not. Yeah. And like I said, I don't think you're going for the Taylor Hall there either. I think I think you want a guy like Mikhail Granlund, who's like a steadying force. He can kind of play mm-hmm. at both ends of the ice. And I, I, he's really underrated, I think. So I, I think he'd be an awesome pickup if you want to go for a forward. Um, obviously, w- with the report today that Taylor Hall's asking price has kind of come down from a first-round pick, and no team's willing to pay that first-round pick. So maybe it's a second and some combination of prospects. Maybe Taylor Hall becomes a b- bit more of a realistic option, but... 
I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, a couple of names that I have kind of thrown out there. Miles um, Wood out in New Jersey, I think, would be a decent option. Ix Iafalo uh, out in L.A., I think, could be a decent option. Um, I, I just like, I like what, uh, I want a little bit of a different element on that line. I want a little bit more of a gritster uh, on that line, someone who can kind of go work in the corners, someone who's going to give you a little bit of edge, um, you know, kind of like what, Simmons does when he's out in, in on the ice and what Hyman does when he's out on the ice. And I thought, I'm not sure that I, I see that in Grandland and I trying to look and see if I can find another player out there who's on the block who maybe could fill that void and still can't provide a little bit of offense. Like I follow's got 20 points in 30 games. That's not too shabby. Uh, you know, miles woods, a, a, a pretty young player who has had a couple of solid seasons as well. Um, I, at one point, I was thinking maybe like a Nick Felino, but I, I'm starting to realize I don't think that Columbus is going to move on from Nick Felino. He's probably going to be just a lifer jacket and uh, out in Columbus. But so those are like a couple of of guys that are on my wish list. I talked about it on the podcast yesterday, maybe the day before. Um, but for me, I, I I know that there's this this like want to add another goal scorer for a lot of people, but I feel like they just need to add a little, another element and somebody who could play some playoff hockey. And, you know, I think a guy like Wood or I follow can, can do that kind of give you that Blake Coleman esque, which is kind of a buzzword at this point, but a Blake Coleman esque addition to this team. Yeah. I, I like the I follow addition. If, if that were to be the one they make, I think he would fit in really well there. And like you said, he provides that foil to the skill that, that the other two guys have and in speed, especially that w- William Nylander has. Um, I think I follow would be a really good guy to get there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tony. Well, uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk uh, trade deadline uh, as we are still just a little bit over two weeks away from the deadline. So I guess we don't have to completely divulge all of the conversations about that right now. So we'll leave it right there and uh, we'll, we'll, Pick up uh, on a later date when it comes to some trade deadline chatter because I love doing all that stuff. Speculation, you know, armchair GMing. That's my thing. That's my mojo. That's why I love trade deadlines, why I love the draft, free agency. That's kind of what I love too. And I assume you do as well considering uh, you're a, a scout who just loves hockey himself. Yeah, the, the draft and free agency, like I remember so many times where in trade deadline day, like, when I was younger, I'd, I'd take the day off school or I'd book the day off work when I was just like in my teens and stuff and, and, and take the day. And, and now I'm, I'm at work and it's on my computer and I'm, I'm doing a whole lot of nothing that day at work anyways. So it's, uh, it's always one of the funnest days of the year, even though, as Dathy likes to always say, not a whole lot happens sometimes. So it, it's going to be a fun one, though. Uh, before I let you go, I want to tell the listeners about two things that happened tonight outside of the Leafs winning that I think are incredible that I do need to share. One is the amazing night by Zibanejad once again. Mika Zibanejad over for New York. This guy's waking up. He had such a slow start to the year, but uh, it seems like, you know, anytime he's taken on the Philadelphia Flyers, this dude is just going to another level. Like, he looks like Connor McDavid when he plays against the Flyers. If you recall, he had that uh, six-point night the other day uh, against the Flyers in that 9 nothing win. They won again tonight. I think it was 7-3 was the final. And Zibanejad had a natural hat trick with three assists tonight. 
twice in the last nine days, both against the Flyers. Only one player in NHL history had two such games in his entire career. Can you guess who that player was? Oh, I have no idea. I'd go with Gretzky by default. Uh, of course, because that's that always yeah. go Gretzky by default if it's a scoring <laughs> question. But yeah, like the, there's now two people in company that has a natural hat trick with three plus assists in a game twice in a nine day span. And that is Zabenajad. Uh, oh, sorry. He did that in a nine, just in the nine game span. Um, but yeah, so Zibanejad and Gretzky now linked together in the record books for that one. That's quite a feat. And Rocco Grimaldi having a four-goal game tonight. Rocco yeah. Grimaldi. Incredible. Oh, it, it, Rocco Grimaldi is just one of those guys I think everyone kind of fell in love with in the playoffs a couple years ago. Yeah. And, and then we all forgot about him. And, and yeah, a four-point game or four-goal game, sorry. Like, sure, why not? Of course, Rocco Grimaldi. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I wanted the Leafs to like trade for him back when he was a, a prospect in Florida. I was like, oh yeah, Grimaldi, he's gonna be a solid top six goal scorer, blah, blah, blah. I always traded for him in, in like NHL video games and like back in 2014. And then he he never really like turned out to be that stud player, but having a great game. So uh, you know, shout out to Rocco Grimaldi, shout out to Mika Zabanajad, and of course a shout out to you, Tony, for joining me here on the podcast. And that is going to do it for us here today. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You could subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs and follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter and Tony what do you got to plug for us what's coming on uh what's coming out for you anytime soon oh well, I, I've got some a couple draft things I'm working on for Dauber prospects but I've also started writing a little bit for the Leafs nation and I actually just put out a, a big article on all the NCAA free agents with the NCAA tournament starting this weekend I've got a bunch of the kids that are looking to sign probably after the year is done and some Ooh. are already starting to kind of trickle in with some of the signings. So it, it's a fun little piece of, of guys. We all hope are going to be Tyler Bozak, but are most likely just going to be AHL guys that we we kind of fall in love with. Is, are there any, do the Leafs have any uh, pending UFA free agents to sign college free agents? Uh, Nick, Nick Abrazizi is I think the one guy that they have to sign out of college um, by all, by all signs. It, it looks like they'll sign him. He, he's been, Pretty pretty big importance in the in the organization so far. Harvard, right? Yep. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, go check that out. That's really interesting because, like you said, we always fall in love with these prospects. Uh, Jimmy VC, of course, oh. is, is is another one <laughs> that Just we remember. All if we if we sign Jimmy VC out of college, we can trade William Nylander. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, man. Really appreciate you joining the show today. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No problem, buddy. See you again. If you guys want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast for myself and for the Locked On hosts. Discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, guys, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.